0: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Bench with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB draft kit is live, and all Bench with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code BUBBA. Rotoballer is home to the number one Fantasy Pro's accuracy ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code BUBBA. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash BUBBA and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff, and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip. Episode 50 is the final week of the fantasy baseball season, so we're here. we got a few listener questions at the end that might help you for your final week, but we last episode went into good matchups, two-star pitchers, all that good stuff. So we'll give a couple final thoughts on FAB and whatnot, but we're going to start analyzing what went wrong in our situation this year. But uh, before we do all that, you can find me on Twitter at entrick and as always on the show, on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man?
1: Bubba, we're doing uh, pretty well. Uh, we were just talking before the show. It's fab. Is done. It's done for the year. Feels good. Feels refreshing. Actually, it doesn't. It feels exhausting. It's up till three thirty last night. Uh, just putting in those twelve leagues. You know, only botched it partially. But for those who are listening to this and not watching the stream, first of all, shame on you. Uh, sure. Second of all, I'm just kidding. Second of all, I've got my Phillies hat on. Uh, today And the reason why I have my Phillies hat on is number one for JT Rail Muto in hopes that he comes back this week, at least a designated hitter. I need it. I need it. Mm. And number two is Roman Quinn, who is now my favorite player on earth. If he steals six to 10 bases in the next <laughs> few games uh you know not as dinners on that. dinners on me roman
0: <laughs> yeah when covid's lifted and you come out west to what, play the giants or the a's toby will take you out to dinner wherever you want at <laughs> uh, roman quinn jersey for sure uh, that's good stuff yeah it's gonna be fun i know you got some live uh live dogs in the main events so we'll be pulling for you and hoping that uh, everything goes well i don't have those i'm not in those leagues but um i'm trying to hang on and make a little bit of cash in a couple leagues but it's it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's really, really tough right it's now. It's a grind. Yeah, and every day just changes so much, man. It, one, one good day or one bad day can just fluctuate so, so much. So, And this week, we kind of hit on it last episode, but like I, I looked at I think five of the eight AL teams have clinched playoff spots, and still they have to work for seeding. It's still a thing, kind of the one perk to this whole situation. And I think four or five nationally teams have already clinched. So now you're going to start seeing who wants the seeding, who wants to get healthy for the playoffs and you're going to get some interesting, like maybe three inning outings by starters portion of the week or different situations that just really send us in a tailspin. Like Twitter is yeah. going to be a blaze come the end of the week. It's going to be awesome. But uh, yeah, it's going to be... so just kind of buckle up and enjoy the last chaotic week of 2020 is the best thing I can say. <laughs> for sure.
1: It's one of those crazy things where, you know, it's like big differences can go, can go quick. And small differences can seem like the world, right? It's like both sides of that, where you're like, I need 20 strikeouts to catch up. There's no way I can do that in a week. And then it's like the guy has a couple of those three, three inning starts, or the second start is missed, you know, is skipped or he gets shelved entirely right for the whole week. And then those 20 strikeouts don't seem like so much at the same time. It's like, you know, if you're on the other side, it can feel like a lot and then ah, it can be gone in a second. So every lead is is thin I'm learning that firsthand I mean in in Barf I had like a commanding lead for a few weeks and today was the first time that uh, I would I dropped down into second and, um, and and I didn't just drop into second I looked and I was third and there's already two guys ahead of me so it's just one of those things it's a grind you try to do your best you put your best foot forward at the end of the g- at the end of the day we don't control everything right um, a good example like, Last week, I was deciding, I was like, on one of my really important teams, do I, I do I go with four closers or do I go with three closers? Because I was convinced that Matt Andrees was going to be a closer because he got those two saves in a row. Uh, he wasn't the closer, but I went with him over Jeremy Jeffress, who only had five games and hadn't gotten me a save in like two weeks. And then all of a sudden, he, he blows his first save, but he gets the win, which is even more valuable, you know? So it's just like one of those things where you just kind of try to put it out there. You do your research. And this is the time when you just have to let it go and and see what see what happens. And that there's there's a little bit of there's there's a little bit of relief in that, you know. Um at the same time, it's gonna be nerve-wracking, especially
0: come Sunday when you know leagues are gonna be in the balance. Yeah, the way I can compare it, and obviously I've not had this experience yet, but maybe you have as a father. It's when you kind of teach your kid how to ride a bike, you take the train wheels off and you're holding the back and you just kind of let them go and see if they can ride. And it's refreshing when they can ride, but you're still nervous. They're going to fall. <laughs> it's one of those types of things. Totally. And then so. they
1: ride for like, you know, three, three feet. And then they fall over.
0: And then... <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be fun, but I'm going to enjoy it. I've been, I've enjoyed the heck out of the season. I'll say that much. It's been fun yeah. to have it back, but it Absolutely. has been one of the wildest things. I hope, I hope, we never experienced this again. That's all I have to say. Give me the full season. Give me the full season. But uh, let's get into the final week of Fab. You are a grinding machine. First question I have for you. And I know your answer is usually, pro- usually, at least what I've talked to you in the past, similar at the end of the season. And then it changes at the beginning of the season again. With as many hours as you put into Fab, do you consider cutting back on your teams?
1: I do and I don't. You know, it's just so hard because –
0: Cause he my draft. favorite,
1: my favorite leagues are the main event leagues. Um, you know, I just, I love, I love that competition. I love those leagues. So it's really hard for me to cut back there. Um, you know, although if I, if I start losing, then, I, then I'll definitely have to cut back on those, you know? Um, but um, you know, and so like, I really love the 15, 15 team format. That's what I love. But um, and so this year I actually did cut back. I cut back on, on two um, online championships. Um, I went from four to two and, um, that's been nice, but it's, it's, it's always tough going 15 to 12 and I'm doing pretty well in those. So it's hard to cut them as well, but, um, you know, we'll see. It's, it's really hard to see the leagues that disappear. Um, that's always the hardest thing, right? Is, is there are some leagues I'm in a home league, you know, that's been around for many years. I'm in barf. i never want to leave that. I never want to leave TGFBI. So you add those and then you add, I'm in a dynasty league. So you just kind of add them on. And so I think it's just a matter of like kind of holding firm on what you have. Um, I enjoyed like the Raz, the Raz ball, you know, Mm -hmm. it's points. So I'm not, I'm not like super in tune to that, but it was fun not having fab or having fab like three times all year or two times all year. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, maybe some more best balls or something like that. Just, you know, um, Cause those are fine, and, and the draft champions are fine to manage. So we'll we'll see. I'll probably be in a similar place, but I think this year was just so different because it was okay. so short. You had less time to give players, you know, um, and and you just needed to be really trying to maximize starts and games. Not that you wouldn't otherwise, but it's just in a shortened season, there's more of an urgency to do that. Like whereas in some guys, you'd be like, okay, I see a glimmer here. I'm gonna hold on to him for two or three weeks, see if he can turn it into something. And then if he doesn't do that, I'll get rid of him. And maybe I'm churning, you know, one to three spots every week. I mean, there were, there were leagues where I was churning five spots a week, you know? Okay. Um, and, and that's just like, you know, and it's just, you know, getting the bids and, and, and then the, there's so many teams, it all just kind of swarms together. I actually, I stole this from uh, Scott Genstad because he was saying that he actually writes down his fab stuff, like, like pay, pay, pen to paper. I started doing that this year where with each one of my leagues, I just have like a page of a notebook and I'd write like catcher, catcher, first base, all the positions, all the pitchers. And then I do first half, second half of the week, cut in half. And then I'd write down who, who I saw starting in those positions in each week. And then on the top, I'd write like, what are my categorical needs? What are like all these things that I have? And that way, like, because what happens is I dive into one team and then I go off you know, on another team, and I forget everything about that team, and so it's really helpful, I think, to have something like that, and also just the muscle memory of writing that down. Yep. I found that to be a step forward in my process. I think this year, um, I still made a lot of mistakes. I think we all make you know mistakes when it comes to fab and, and managing our teams. Um, you know, so you can always improve. But I think that was one thing that that really helped me this year in managing that boatload of teams.
0: So so thank you, this, Scott. I'd say this year's. Is- fab like we could take all the the good and the bad the grain of salt uh, on that one so i wouldn't worry too much about that i do um i do like the pen and paper thing i do that with almost everything i do in life i I try to write down stuff every all the time because a i'll forget things and b it just helps me that's how i I can school i can read books and i'll forget half the stuff i read but if i write down and take notes i can remember everything so it's just that muscle memory like you talk about so I'm, i'm a big fan of um I didn't get as detailed, but when I'm doing fab, like I have a yellow notebook. And I sit here and I write down all kinds of things on, but I, I literally like, okay, here's a squares TG FBI. I need to fill these teams. I need these categories. These positions I need these categories. Mm-hmm. And I start kind of going through my thing and checking things off and going that direction. So I'm a hundred percent with you. I think it helps a lot. Cause especially as many teams as you do, like I had to do fab for like seven or eight teams and they weren't all high dollar teams like yours. So I can only imagine like the doubles and triples of checking you're doing to make it all work. Cause you, you miss one or two things, and it could uh, change a lot. So definitely understand that. Um, this week, just going over in uh, NFPC fab results, uh, st- is it Steven or Stefan? It's got to be Stefan. Stefan Crichton of the D-backs, he picked up four saves over the last couple of weeks, so he was a popular add going into the final week, depending on how many D-backs games are actually won. Uh, you'd be happy to know Drew Smiley was the second most added player in uh, NFPC. Uh, Keegan Aiken. You'll see a lot of pitchers. Jared Walsh was still available. So a lot of pitchers. Somehow Lance McCullers was available in 64 leagues. Can't figure that one out. Because the, of the, of the DL. Game. He was on the DL. Yeah,
1: he came,
0: yeah, came back last week. <laughs> and and yeah. now he's got a road start. Don't people know home road splits? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But, uh, yeah. So what were some of the big takeaways? Because basically you're looking at a bunch of pitchers like Nate Lowe's there um Dylan Carlson got called back up Tommy Pham was available in 43 leagues again you could talk about the IL probably there Roman Quinn your boy 43 leagues so a lot of just kind of filler stuff for the week uh, thoughts on that
1: yeah I mean I, I think for this final week it's all about you know for Roto it's all about categories um you know and for head-to-head too it's all about categories and kind of although I don't know if head-to-head is still playing I know they oftentimes end end the week before but like Um, for Roto, it's all about the categories. So I think you have to look at your categories and see where you were and see where you can move and see where you can protect. But it's such a difficult thing to do because it's all so fluid. Like I can tell you heading into the weekend, I had some needs here and then I had different needs by Sunday. Right. And so I think one piece you want to do is you want to have some flexibility, right? You want to be able to to figure out, okay, like, you know, am I going to going down the stretch? Do Am I looking at the two start pitchers? Or am I looking at a reliever who can maybe get me Ks, but I feel a little bit more confident about the ratios, you know, or, you know, um, am I just looking at that one really good start because I've seen how bad those two start starters can work out. And I kind of found myself a little bit in the middle. I think there were some nice ones. You mentioned Keegan Aiken. I actually didn't get him anywhere. I got zero shares um, of Keegan Aiken, which was a little bit, which was a little bit sad. I mean, he's looked really good. The numbers look really good. He doesn't have two great starts, but, um, you know, you'll take those, especially with the possibility for K's that he has shown um, so far. So there were some guys, but I think the challenge as I've, as I've gone through with the season is the more the more times I've been disappointed with the two starters that just feel bad, you know? And so if I have any I'm, – I'm, I'm being a little bit more conservative this week where if I have any ratios that um, – are questionable. I'm just going to probably stick with either a really good guy. So I actually got Kevin Gaussman in two leagues, you know, Great. people dropped him like I did, um, uh, you know, last week. So I got him and he's got Colorado at home, which is really nice, uh, start. So like that, you know, I'd much rather have that, um, then say like, you know, and again, it depends. I, I picked up Brett Anderson in some places because I actually think the matchups are pretty good, but the But in those leagues, I need wins, right? I need wins and maybe a little bit of Ks, but I'm only expecting what, like six or seven from him if he can give me two full starts. So it's all about the categories. Like Roman Quinn, you mentioned, I was all over Roman Quinn because this year for me, what's really been a struggle is I have leagues that are doing really, really well, but the stolen bases have been a struggle all year. Like I try to stream stolen bases every single week and streaming stolen bases is hell. Like it's literally hell. And so like Victor Robles has been a disappointment on a couple of my teams. I had Tommy Pham on a couple of teams and he was injured for a long period of time. So I really think it's all about that, like home runs and then plate appearances. You just want to get as many plate appearances as possible. Like I saw myself all over Jed Jorko, you know, wherever he was available just because I feel like he plays every day. He bats cleanup. something good's got to happen. Right? So it's really about what you're, what you're heading into and then your risk tolerance and, and um, you know, one of the chal- most challenging things is determining, like, I could really gun it, you know, and get first, but then I could also, you know, fall back, you know, it's probably a small percentage chance that's going to happen, but I could also fall back out of the money, you know, and so uh, I generally go for first in that instance, which, you know, who knows if the pot odds are make sense in that situation, but, you know, there's so many things to factor going into it, and you just, Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, there's there's a lot going on with it, and I'm curious, just as you were talking, I kept looking, glancing at the list of players added, and it's just kind of, I'm looking forward to seeing how some of these guys pan out after this season, like Lewis Brinson's been on a tear since he got recalled. Like, he's playing amazing. If you're talking about steals guy, when you're saying Roman Quinn, I'm like, Lewis Brinson. I picked him up as yeah, well. He's been he's been money. We uh. got Rojas. Brian Hayes is playing well. Like, there's Dalton Varsha. People are finally starting to pick up on him. There's some interesting interesting names that got picked up here. That'll be fun to see uh, how things – Garrett Cooper is still available in 24 leagues. Man, mm. that's amazing.
1: Um, um so, yeah. these 12s?
0: Uh, it's just all NFPC. All oh, of them okay. Goodbye. Yeah, um, it does them all. Man, so talk about regret.
1: Uh, Friday at like 10 minutes before lock, I was trying to decide between Lewis Brinson. I had him in my lineup, and I need steals bad. And uh, I can't even remember who the other person was. And it's I was like, T-Oscar, I think he might so, only. Um, What's that?
0: It's probably T. Oscar, so it's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I um and uh and I was like, he's probably only going to play two games, and they're double header games, so they're short games. So I swapped him out. Two stolen bases, you know, three RBI, two runs in one of the games. That was a huge, huge regret. Regret, but.
0: Oh well, it happens. It happens. Yeah, especially stolen bases, like you said, it's hard to stream stolen bases. Because prolific base stealers, they seem to get them in bunches more often than not. So mm-hmm. it's tough to be like like I remember VR last year, everyone's given up on VR for a while. And then he goes out and steals like six bags in like three games. And if you gave up on him, oh my goodness, you're like you're hating life. So then the breaks, as they say. Then the breaks. For sure. But uh, let's get into it. We're going to do a lot of um, throughout the offseason, looking back on things, looking forward to things, a lot of stuff like that. We'll start out with uh, some fun stuff here because, you know, I like to look at what I got wrong more than I got right more often than not. I know you like to evaluate the process as well. So we're going to go over five players we each got wrong. Some of these players we technically both could have put down on this list. And there's obviously more than five players. We both got wrong, but we're going to keep it short, mm-hmm. so we're not uh, here. And all a lot of them are talking.
1: shared too. Yeah, we we yeah. shared a lot of a lot of misses.
0: Totally. So why don't you start us off with one that I know I shared with you as well?
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. So my number one miss this year so far, and there's still a week of the season. There's still one one tenth of the season or one eighth of the season left. Uh, was Victor Robles. Um, you know, I loved him last year. I liked what he did a lot. I thought that was kind of the floor and moving forward. And I know a lot of people were very critical of his, you know, his hitting skills, right? He's not a good hitter. And um, I, I I, didn't buy, buy into that, really. I mean, I thought, you know, yeah, he's not a great hitter, but I felt like he could make some progress this year. Um, and he certainly hasn't. Um, you know, the contact rate's down significantly, the K rate's up. Everything else is relatively similar. He continues to hit the ball very weakly, but again, he continues to show that he can hit the ball hard. He hit his third home run of the season today or third or fourth. Can't remember. Um, but I think the thing for, for Robles for me, I think my analysis is a couple pieces. I think obviously the people who said he couldn't hit were right. (laughs) At least they have been right through, through our Mm -hmm. short, shortened game. Um, and I think that the challenge really with him is I think he, you know, he came in overweight. I think Davey Martinez mentioned that because he was hung up in the COVID limbo where he showed up like right at the end of spring training, because I think he had been in contact with somebody who was COVID positive, but he wasn't COVID positive himself. And so, um, so he had to have quarantine for 14 days. Um, and so then he shows up and he's a little overweight. And I remember Jeff Zimmerman did an article fairly early in the season looking at, guys whose sprint speed scores have changed this year and he was right he was on there like over a foot per second slower and then Davey Martinez later said that he came in like a little no I didn't say it was out of shape necessarily just a little bigger um and so I'd like to think that as like a 22 23 year old guy that we haven't seen his fastest legs necessarily or at least that this is going to be a pretty consistent thing so I think that's one piece is i still believe in that skill set. And I do believe, you know, I, but I think the challenge with drafting a guy like him that early in the draft, I think is that he is not. Um, he's just not a good hitter. And I think that at that position in the draft, the guys that you're passing up on are generally really good hitters. And so like, when I think about the guys that I drafted at the same spot that I drafted him, it was guys like Eloy Jimenez, you know, or um, DJ Lemayhu, or, you know, guys like that who who are who I think are much better hitters. And so I think I'm going to be in on Robles again next year because I think he's going to go around like 80p of 100 or so. And I think that that's going to be very palatable. Um, but, you know, certainly this year he's been a big disappointment. And one of the reasons why I find myself chasing speed, which is one of the worst things in the world to do in fantasy baseball. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on Victor? Cause I know you were a fan as well going in.
0: Yeah, I was a fan. Um, he's basically proving everyone correct, which really, really stinks. But um, I still think there's something to some hope there. I think we're starting to see, you know, the last few weeks or so things have gotten a little better from Victor Robles. Still not great, not great by any means, but I think the fact he kind of basically missed all of spring training part 2 whatever you going to call it due to the, um, Being close to a a COVID-positive person, that can't help at all. He's not getting a ramp-up time. He's coming in and not in great shape, as you said. Still has not been a great year, but um, his month of, let's say, uh, September was much better than his month of August, it looks like. So maybe he's starting to get things going. But, yeah, you want more stolen bases from him. Strikeout rate's still way too high. Quality of contact's not great. I still want to buy into the kid, though. Like, there's so much to like about him. He's still super young. He's 23 years old. It's frustrating. Like you said, he's going to come at a great value still that maybe if he figures it out, maybe if there's three to four more months of the season like normal, we see a guy that still gets 20 stolen bases or more and um, runs into like 12 home runs. All of a sudden, maybe it's 250. Not the end of the world at that point. Like it really isn't where you're getting him in drafts. So I think there's still more to like about Robles. I think it's just um, this season didn't do him any, any positives. That's for sure. So <clears throat> I like him. I'm just not going to be as aggressive on him this year. For sure. All right, my guy, and this is the guy that when I was on Sleeper on the Bust, I predicted to hit a Triple Crown this year, so that definitely did not happen. Um, I had high hopes on him. I know other people did as well. His name is J.D. Martinez, and it is brutal. But it's confusing to me. I'm not nearly as smart as Toby and others are when they look at numbers. But when I look at his numbers. Don't say that. <laughs> but when I look at numbers, it, they, they the overall production like no matter what you want to go to like go to a Statcast page if you want to re, like refer to the triple play fantasy guys he looks like a Mister Freeze at times up on his uh of the blue it's very blue instead of red like normal JD and it's weird though because like so look at his barrel rate ten percent barrel this year most guys that's good JD was eleven point eight last year in a struggling year but then fifteen plus like ten's good not JD good um his his hard hit rate still forty percent that's outstanding for many. He's usually like a 48 to 50-something guy. So that's a big drop-off. Um, striking, he's striking out 4.5% more this year than last year, similar to what he did in 2017, where he's still very, very good. Um, this is where I get confused. Like I said, he had these types of numbers, but still had very productive seasons. And that's where it's confusing. Like He's basically doing it all at once, which makes it frustrating. So if you just pick out like one number, like if you say, okay, like I said, his strikeout numbers. Well, he struck out more in 2017, so you can't really point at that. Uh, he's walking 9.8% and drop off from last year's 11%. Well, he walked less than that in 2016. He is still a beast. Um, you look at – I was looking at his O-swing numbers over on Fangraphs. So his, his O-swing went up 30 to 34% from 31.8 last year. But in 2018, it was 33.2. So close. Not ideal, but close. He's swinging a little more this year, but swinging about as much as he did a couple years ago. Um, I'm very lost. I, I I need more info here. The one thing I can circle – that I think has a big impact on this is he's been injured most of the year. And I'm going to go, I think that's going to have a major part to it. The only other things that that kind of um, like a swinging strike percentage has dropped this year from last year or no, it's up 14% basically what it was two years ago. Um, Like all those numbers dropped from 19, we look back at 17 and 18, they're all pretty similar. And that's where I get very confused on what a situation is. The only thing I'm wondering if he's not seeing the ball well, or what the situation is, because if you look on Baseball Savant, his um, his whiff percentage jumped 3% this year, and his meatball percentage, which I know people, it sounds goofy, but for a power hitter, you need to take advantage of the meatball. He, it dropped 7%, and that's the only one of the only numbers out of all the numbers I looked at that he's been 89-7, 88, 87-7, 86-7. He dropped to 82 this year, so that's like the first big drop-off that doesn't have a correlation to similarities from before. I know I'm rambling here, but I'm just trying to figure out what the heck happened to J.D. Martinez. So injuries, which he's been out of the lineup quite a bit off and on this season, I think that has a lot to do with it. And he's getting older, unfortunately. I like guess might just be something we have to realize. I like think the hit tool is still there, but when the, the quality of contact drops, you look at his his max exit velo, is down to 112.6 when he's been riding at 114, 115-plus pretty much his entire career. That's a big drop-off. That's something to, to definitely take a look at, his average exit velocity – well, that's about the same as every year but last year. That, so that's a little, again, confusing. Um, so I don't know. Like I'm going to buy back into him next year because he's going to go in like the fourth or fifth round probably. He's going to drop a ton. And I'm going to be like, okay, a guy that can probably hit 280 or higher with power, I'll buy back in unless something else comes up. But I missed on him. I was super high on him. I wanted to get him in like the 2-3 turn or second or third round wherever you had to get him because he's got you yeah, like four categories, not going to steal – but get you everything you want because the stolen base guys were already gone. I wanted J.D. Martinez, didn't pan out so well. What's your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on J.D.?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think you dissected it. It's a really tough one. I think he's going to be a guy where at the end of the 2021 season, you're either like, of course he was going to bounce back. Like, of course he was. He's J.D. Martinez. He's an incredible hitter. Or you're going to be like, of course he was on the decline. He's not a particularly agile or athletic looking guy. Like, you know, he, uh, he's getting older. The, the StatCast data, you know, got worse. Of course, why would we expect it to improve at his age, you know? So it's just one of those, those things where it's like, it's going to be one or the other, you know it. And, and I, I don't know which one it's going to be. I mean, obviously the StatCast data worries me. You mentioned the max exit below being down. You mentioned the exit velocity being down. I hadn't heard about the injury, but if it's an injury, well, maybe that maybe that um, tells us a little bit about why it's happening. And so that's one of the things that's going to be interesting about this shorter shortened season is we don't really have we don't really get to see the usual ups and downs that we do. And if a guy starts out as a down and doesn't really have a chance to write himself, you know, we're kind of left wondering: did he just not have time to write himself,
0: or is there no writing himself? You know, so yeah, the, the one uh, last one of thing. The, ma- the one yeah. last thing I want to mention, real quick. The other thing is, is the quality of contact's all good. Maybe I got to go deeper and look at like a spray chart of his hits or whatever, because his BABIP is insanely low for everything else in his career. His ground ball rate has dropped, his fly ball rate has risen, and his BABIP rate has dropped tremendously. It's obviously usually if you hit the ball hard on the ground, more your BABIP goes higher. So he's elevating the ball more. It sounds like even though his launch angle and stuff hasn't changed a ton, less ground balls. BABIP is dropped tremendously, but we don't we don't draft JD Martinez at the ball on the ground. So, I'm kind of like, I want him to hit it up, but the exit view is down. Yeah. Just another thing that just kind of stood out the BABIP and the change in ground ball, fly ball was a bit drastic this year. Just kind of poking at grasping the straws right now. Yep. For sure. All right. Your next guy's very intriguing. I like, I'm curious what you have to say about him.
1: Yeah. So, Mankata, I mean, Mankata is a little bit brief. I was big on him. He was my AL MVP pick. I think um, it's COVID thing. You know, for me, um, I'm not really worried about him for the longer term future. You know, I just know he's been quoted as saying he just hasn't been able to get going. I dropped him in a few leagues uh, this week. I mean, I think I dropped him in one last week just because he's not stealing. He I don't think he has attempted a stolen base the whole season. The power is low. He's getting dropped in the lineup. So he's just not the guy that he used to be. And I don't see a reason for that happening outside of COVID. So I think he's a guy where I'm interested to see where he falls um, next year, you know, because even, you know, so he was going in like the, in the sixties and then he got COVID and he was coming back and then he was going in the seventies. I wonder if he's going to fall back a little bit, you know, in kind of the 80 range or so, like something like that um, for next year, whether, whether people will see kind of through that. Um, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm hundred percent with you. There is, like, if you look at his StatCast page, it's all blue. If you look at everything, it's bad. But like you said, he said it was COVID. I believe him because he talks about he, he still has trouble breathing sometimes. He just hasn't fully recovered. And it, it's one of those things we talked about at the beginning of the year. We don't know what to do because for every Yaman Mancada, look at Freddie Freeman, who literally thought he was going to die at one point in time, and now he's legit having the best season of his career. So if, if you just – we don't know. We have no idea how it's going to pan out. So I'm with you. I'd be back on him, especially at a discount. I think it's great. The kid's young, the tools are great. I would definitely notch this with like there's gonna be some we just can't figure out. There's some I'm just gonna be blatant about and go, you know what, I'm gonna notch this up to to an injury, to COVID, whatever, and i am gonna stick to my guns like you are. So I'm with you there. Um, my next guy, I know you were big on him as well, is Javi Baez. I was pumped on his draft price. It rose a little towards the end. It did, and rightfully so, because he was going way too cheap. Um he's you know, being the short side, nice second base eligible as well. Um he was behind, like, the big three, sometimes big four or five, depending on where you looked at it. He just kept dropping. It felt like it was like, okay, i got to take Javi Baez, power, speed, just kind of sacrifice the batting average, build it somewhere else. You know, he could still usually hit you, you know, an average of, you know, two. like last year was 280, the year before, 290, 273. They're not crushing you average-wise. He's a guy that I could always struggle buying into because his plate discipline was horrible. But his strikeout rates, you know, still weren't horrible, 25 to 28, give or take. Well, this year it's jumped up to 33 and a half. That's uh, troublesome, to say the least. That is really, really bad stuff. Um, when you really want to dissect Javi Baez, you look at his, his – the, the weird thing with Javi Baez, it's almost like he got more plate discipline and it's ruined his game because his O swing for the last four or five years is 42 to 46. This year it's 40, 39.6 to be precise. His swing percentage dropped 3% this year. His zone swing dropped 2.5%. His outside, like everything dropped, quality of contact, aggressiveness in the zone. It all dropped with Javi Baez. It just makes me wonder, did he change his approach? Like his barrel rate dropped from 12.7 to 8.8. Everything dropped, hard hit, the works. So it's one of those, I think we're going to get him at a discount. Another one I'm going to say he's young. Something tweaked. He's either trying a new approach at the plate or I don't know what it is. He's kind of heated up the last week, week and a half. Maybe he just said screw it. Maybe he got comfortable finally. I don't know. It'll be something to kind of be fun to break down in different segments of the year, kind of rolling graph styles like you like to do uh, with Hobby Baez, just kind of maybe shorter intervals because of a shorter season. But uh, looking at uh, Javi's overall profile, his, his, his zone contacts, his chase rates, all that stuff, you saw massive drops this year. So a guy that used to be super aggressive in the zone and it led to awesome productivity, much less aggressive this year, less productivity in a big, big way. So... Curious to see what that was all about, if it's just a swing change or whatnot. But it's going to be hard not to buy into him again if he's coming at the discount he was last year.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm in a similar position. He fell to me. I think I got him the latest of any main event draft. Um, and I took him over – we took him over J, JT Realmuto. And it's on a team that's really good – And I just think about what would have happened if if we had made a slightly different choice there. I mean, he hasn't been he's been bad, but twenty six runs, seven home runs, twenty one RBIs, two stolen bases. The batting average is bad, Um, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's a little it's a little it's slightly painful to think about. But yeah, I mean the one concerning thing that I see here is that if you look at his rolling average graph, so he's had fifty one games so far. This season, And if you look at his rolling average graph, it's pretty much all been downhill since, you know, like since the end of 2018, really. I mean, he's been good. He was good up until the middle of last year, but then it's then it's a lot of down. It's a lot, a lot of down um, from that point in time. So I wonder if just there's an expectation adjustment that needs to take place. In terms of like, I feel like he had that um, 2018, that was just absolutely incredible. And maybe that's his 95th percentile outcome, or maybe that's the best year we're ever going to see from Javi Baez. And what we need to be uh, expecting a little bit more is for him to be good, not great. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, I I like the profile in the sense that he contributes across the board, generally speaking. And again, in this shortened season, he's one week away, which I really hope is this week against the Pirates. Um, He's one week away from hitting 250 to 260, right? And then, you know, let's say he hits three home runs this week, you know, raises his average to 240, and then drives in like, you know, six and six or something like that, which is perfectly doable. All of a sudden, you're talking about a guy who finished with 33 runs, you know, uh, 10 home runs and, you know, third 27 RBI and a 240 batting average in a third of a season. And, you know, actually, that turns out to be a pretty good season. Yeah. So, you know, again, it can all change pretty quickly. But there are some longer term maybe concerns I see in the rolling average graph. And it is interesting that his approach has changed a little bit.
0: Like you That's mentioned what it about. seems like. I could, I could be overanalyzing it, but looking at all those numbers, it seems like he changed something at the plate. Yeah. For
1: sure um yeah it is interesting no you're 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 spot on there you know he's still he's still really aggressive but not the hyper aggressive guy not Javi Baez aggressive yeah the contact rate is a', is a, big, either. Is, is a
0: big downer mm-hmm I wonder if we make it a little bit smaller, whether he's improved more recently or well, not. Well, his last few weeks, at least a week or a half or so, but I wonder because if he's less aggressive at the play, it's almost like the, the Gavin Biggio thing. He's less aggressive. So now he's behind the counts. Now he's chasing things. So when he hits it, the contact's not as good because now he's hitting maybe yeah. a slider low and away instead of, you know, going after a fastball outside or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that the the pitches he's having to probably swing at, again, pure speculation here, but that just seems like a scenario that could be playing out right now.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's really interesting what's going on. The uh, yeah, yeah, for a guy who made his name on quality of contact, yep. like you mentioned before, that has certainly gone down. Um, so interesting for sure. He's going to be a tough one. Going to be yep. a tough one next year.
0: All right, who's your third one? Because this is a guy that, if any listener of the show's listened to at least more than once, knows we both loved this year. So. Yeah. The last, uh, about two to three weeks has been very painful.
1: Yeah. Kyle Schwarber, um, is, is my guy. I thought, I thought he was ready. I thought he was ready for prime time. Um, you know, uh, everything looked really good at the end of last year and, you know, it's, it's not great this year. It's not great, but you know, when I look at the profile overall, um, Again, I think it's important to, to contextualize that this is just a third of a season of data that we're looking at, and the major difference I think between him and maybe expectations is, you know, is Babbitt, right? And the ground ball rate. The ground ball rate is much higher, you know, which is which is not good. It's way it's way higher than it's ever been for him, which you know, is a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a warning sign for me, not necessarily like it almost, it almost eases my concern a little bit for next year, just because it's like something's out of whack, you know, that I think can be fixed, but you know, the, the Babbit's way lower than it usually is, which is driving down the batting average, which isn't necessarily good to begin with. But again, he still has 10 home runs, still has 27 runs, 21 RBI, you know, walking at a 13.3% clip. So it's just the, those stolen bases. The contact is actually the same. So, you know, I think that that K rate is just um, is just way too high. It shouldn't be as high as it is. And I think that would be something that would regress positively in his favor if we were to have a longer season. So um, hopefully hopefully the, uh, the Cubs go mashing this week. I think it's a distinct possibility because let me tell you something. They've been – I don't know how they're doing so well this year because – Baez isn't great, Schwarber isn't great, Rizzo isn't great. Like they're all not great, and they've managed to to win.
0: Yeah, no, I was gonna say the same thing. It's it, you look at that lineup. You look at the if you just pull up the uh, like the Cubs team page and, and look at their stats. Oh. How are they? Didn't did they win? They won the Central, didn't they? Like are they are they leading it? They clinched the playoff pot. I think I don't know if they locked the Central up, but they should win the NL Central, and I am blown away by it. The power of you, Darvish, Kyle Hendricks. Alec Mills your boy and a few other guys like they're they're doing it the old fashioned way right now. It's pretty crazy to watch.
1: Oh man, so, can we talk about that Kyle Hendricks 8 innings, 10, 10 Ks.
0: Tryouts. Oh, that's professor, professor, professor took in to school.
1: Uh and then Jeffers comes in and he walks bu- Buxton. I was reading um I was reading to my son uh before bed and it, so it was like right before bed so I, like check the score and it's like Buxton walks on first. I'm like, what are the chances he scores? It's got to be 97%. To
0: so I read the
1: book 100%. and I like take out my phone and I like open up the app and take a look. I'm like, oh my God, he won. Like, we got, we did it because that's how wins are these days. Like with Vinnie V's win on Sunday, on um, yesterday, like, oh, can they hold it for three innings? Can they hold it for three innings? You know, it's just that's this week is going to be all that. But, yeah, I mean, the Cubs pitching has been phenomenal. The bullpen's been awful. Like, it's just the starters. It just shows you how much starters can really carry a team. Um, So.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, teams can go on runs like that. But then when you get to the playoffs, it can get a little more interesting. So uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But maybe they start hitting because the team, they are talented. Like, we can't knock that. So we'll see how it goes. I'd love to see Schwarber finish with a bang. Because um, somehow I'll get sucked into him again next year because the talent's there. It's just frustrating. Um, my next guy is DJ the Mayhew, and this is more of a guy I got wrong because I did not understand the price tag. I took him in OBP leagues because I understood that, and I love the multi-position eligibility. He is legit a Swiss Army knife. He is what Ben Zobrist wished he could have been. That <laughs> this is what DJ the Mayhew is. He plays everywhere. He hits with power. Average like he's been on base. I think all but like three or four games this entire season. It's ridiculous what he's doing for the Yankees. And obviously, if you're on base that much for the Bronx Bombers, good results happen. That's just the, the, the truth of it all. He's read across the board, You know, 95th in ex-WOBA, 99th in K percentage. The dude dropped his K percentage to um, 9.4 this year. It dropped from 13.7 last year, 14.1 the year before. His walk rate's gone up in each of the last couple of years. Strike rate's dropped. His hard hit rate's still at 43%. The weird thing is, is, his barrel race down to 3.4%, the lowest it's been since 2017. So that part kind of stood out as a, hmm. But Yankee Stadium, he loves the oppo, short porch, benefit, all that good stuff. It doesn't matter because he's hitting doubles, triples, homers. He's doing it all. So I'm not going to go super deep into it because I think he's legit. Like his max exit velocity is the best it's been since 2016. So he's obviously hitting the ball well. He like, He's locked in at the plate. You look at all of his other numbers. They're very similar throughout the last couple of years. This is just me saying I was wrong. I'm really, really glad I have him where I have him. I've used him in DFS almost daily if you play cash because he's guaranteed like at least seven, eight points, if not double digits, every single night. And um, he's darn good. And I can't wait to see how much I have to pay for him next year because having the multi-position eligibility DJ that Mayhew brings is almost priceless at times. So, uh, yeah, that's when I got completely wrong. Is he going to maintain it? I haven't paid enough attention. I have not because it also, A, depends on what your league decides for. I hope it's like the five games. I know DVR and Eno were talking about it. I've always assumed it was five. I think Todd Zola has talked about it. Uh, Some leagues are going six or seven because it's like the percentage of what the normal systems used to be. I think Mm -hmm. five is fine. It's a round number. It's easy to keep track of. He he should keep it regardless. He's
1: got ten games at – First base, although none of them are starts, but he's got ten yep. games there. Beautiful, thirty at second and ten at third. So beautiful,
0: he Corner should be infield, middle infield all over the place.
1: He should be it. I hadn't, you know, this is what happens. I never look at my guys' stats. I never look at their stats for the season. I swear to God, I hadn't looked at how good TJ. How, t. Do, t. You, t. how t. do you do that? I've got him on t- I mean, like, I know when they're doing well or not, right? <laughs> i literally have not looked at his stat line the whole season he's been on my uh-huh. team i just See, I learned I, like,
0: I learned something new every time we record that is amazing like, to me one of the, one of the best fantasy players i know doesn't even look at the t- his I don't.
1: Sentence. it's a, it's a huge <laughs> hindrance i mean i know the thing is the thing is i and i watch i scoreboard watch so closely that so, i have yeah, a, yeah. that i have a keen sense of how they're doing just by like 38 runs 10 That's homers amazing. in like and he was on the I.L. Like,
0: what? He, oh, he had co- he had COVID. Remember, he had COVID.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: he did have COVID.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be super interesting because the production is incredible. I mean, it's just incredible production. It's it's 110 run production. It's it's fantastic. And, and, and yet I doubt he goes in the first three rounds next year.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be mine next year, so I hope I don't ruin the fun. But it's, it's the second year he's done it now, and it's hard not to love everything about him. Yeah, he's lovable, DJ. Yes, yes. I, I, love, I, JT, love, I love him.
1: DJL and JTR, they should hang out.
0: When With the Yankees boys, signed
1: man. JT Real Muto this summer, I have already. I think I said this like after the first day of the season. I was like, the Yankees are going to trade Gary Sanchez in the offseason and sign JT Real Muto. And, man, uh, I mean, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I'll take that right porch. I'll take that right porch for JTR. Um, uh, Yeah, the thing that I love about you, Bubba, is you actually – I looked only at guys that I missed on horribly that I liked. Like, I liked, and they're on my teams, and they're terrible. And you're actually, like, have a broader perspective. And you're like, oh, which players, like, did I not like that were actually good? And I'm like, I'm like, who did I miss? Who did I suck on? You know, like,
0: um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I have a long list for both of us, yeah, so it's okay. For
1: sure. Um, yeah, DJ, DJ's, DJ's, uh, he's fantastic. I mean, he is, really is um, a just a great guy to have on your teams. And that position flexibility you mentioned, this year I've just been shuffling him, all over the place, and it makes such a difference second base, third base, first base, corner, middle it's just unbelievable. So, uh,
0: and, and one more thing I want to mention on him with the flexibility. And it, you know, I was much more into flexibility this year, I, I don't mind it, but I was way more focused on it this year, especially the drafts after the COVID situation started. And one thing it does so well when you're drafting. So say you take JT or DJ. Now you got me all confused here. DJ in the third or even fourth round. But now you have a guy that could be your first baseman, your second baseman, your third baseman, your middle infield, your cornerfield. It opens up where you can draft so many other spots. Now you don't have to get this position or this position. You can be, it's flexible for your draft, not just your season, like aspect of things. So, I, I think it's just, it changes so much. Like You get one of him and like one other multi-position guy, next thing you know, you can draft almost anywhere you want for the rest of the draft because it just opens up every door. So it, it doesn't pigeonhole you into certain stuff, which is really, really nice. Mm, for sure. All right, your fourth guy is uh, very intriguing as well.
1: Yeah, so my fourth guy is a guy that I started to like a lot more towards the end of drafts. I'm just trying to check it out here for a second. So it's Brian Reynolds of the pirates. And, you know, the thinking at the time was here's a guy he's hit for average everywhere. He's been He hit for average last year. He looked really good. He looked, he looks like he just seems like one of those guys who's a hitter, right? Uh, you expect a good batting average. And then when I kind of looked a little bit, you know, he's batting third or fourth every single day in the pirates lineup to begin with, you know, so he's got a really nice cushion there. And I actually thought the pirates were going to be a little sneaky good from an offensive perspective. Boy, was I wrong. Um, and, and so he's plays every day. He's a switch hitter. So he's not going to be platooned. Um, and then, you know, Shelton said that they were going to steal this year a little bit more, you know, that they were just going to need to manufacture runs. And when you look at his sprint sprint speed, it's 82nd percentile. He's up there with a lot of the really good stolen base guys, like, you know, and, and, um and so he got a stolen base, I think the first week. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's going to happen. But He's got one caught stealing since he hasn't really gone for the stolen bases. And then he just can't get a hit. His expected batting average is 240, but he's at 175. Nothing in the profile has changed. It's actually amazingly the same, Um, like contact rates, swinging strike rate. Everything is exactly the same. Um, The quality of contact, um, you know, that he's got a higher barrel percentage this year than last year. The exit below is down slightly, but, you know, a lot of um, similar things. The K rate is up 3%, but again, you know, he, the contact rate is the exact same, both in the zone and overall. So, you know, part of it I think is bad luck. Um, And then I think part of it is, I don't know, but I'll probably be in next year because I think, I think he's a good hitter. I think he's a good player. Um, very stable profile. Should continue to hit in the middle of that lineup. I think he's a key part of their future, and so for me, I, you know, I'll probably get him next year at like pick two fifty or something like that instead of where I was getting him. I have him yeah. in three of my four mains actually. Like you, I have a ton of him, and
0: oh,
1: oh well, what can you do? One seventy five. Uh, you know, and and the thing about him, he plays every day, so he still's got twenty runs, sixteen RBI.
0: You know, the home runs is a brutal, but yeah. Sucks. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If he keeps leading off, he's gonna be tough to pass on where he goes in drafts because he is a, a good average guy and maybe he puts it together again so we'll see sure. what next year brings. Uh my fourth guy, between getting put on, you know, detention or timeout or whatever you want to call it for going out for a dinner with the boys in Chicago uh, to getting traded to San Diego, Mike Clevenger, I was extremely wrong on because I had him in my top five starting pitchers going into the season. And I know I wasn't alone on that. I know I was not alone on that, not on this show, but I went in general. He was a very, very popular guy that was moving up draft boards in a big, big way. And uh, you look at a Statcast page and there are a lot of concerns for me and I'm not a pitching guru by any means, but, His barrel rate's gone up quite a bit. Um, His strikeout rate has dropped over 10% this year. That is not good. Walk rate's increased. ERA is 310, but his XERA is 475. So definitely getting away with some stuff there. If you look at his pitch-by-pitch information, there's only one pitch that has an X-WOBA below 320, and that's his slider, which he throws 32.5% of the time just below his four-seam. Like His his four-seam has a 412 X-WOBA, the curve and the changeup have what was in the 320 to 340 range. Not good at all. So he's getting hit around pretty good. And we look at how where, where he's pitching in the zone. His zone rate rose 4%, so he's in the zone more. And his chase rate dropped 7% or 6.3%. And I know we talked about it with Bieber, and I've talked about it with other guys. You've talked about it probably with other guys too, guys that are much smarter at pitching than I am. The chase rate's huge, and is the example I like to use because – we talk about how he's in the zone a lot. He's not that, you know, he's in the zone in the zone, gets ahead in the count, then he gets you to chase that slider, stuff like that. And I just mentioned uh, Clevenger's best pitch is a slider, filthy slider. But if he's not getting guys to chase, that's an issue. So his first pitch strike um, has dropped from 66% to 58%. Thus, he's in the zone more afterwards because he has to get strikes. Like you just look at the whole repertoire, things were a mess. And then the last thing I'll mention, the uh, last couple things I'll mention here, they're pulling the ball almost 10% more of the time. We know pull percentage leads to more power, which could lead to more trouble. And the real thing that uh, has me concerned, and it could go with his barrel rate as, as well, his ground ball rate dropped 7% this year from 41.2 to 34, and his line drive rate drove, rose 5%. So they're obviously hitting the ball harder, and the line drives obviously much more effective at getting the job done. So um, I'm real curious to see how this all lines out. He's hurt right now as well. We don't know. I don't know the severity of it unless it came out later on Sunday and I missed it. But yeah, I know he he missed his start on Saturday. They're hoping he's okay. They say he's like eighty to ninety percent. He'd pitch in the playoffs type stuff. Who knows? But uh, his overall approach at the plate, the quality of his work, it's all dropped a lot this year, and it's got me concerned. It's it's looking more like the like 2017 Clevenger, which was good. We thought there was hope for being better but this is like a big step backwards for him. And I don't know exactly where to go with him. Cause I think he'll still go high in drafts next year and it might be too high for me, Toby.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it is really interesting. His profile is interesting. You know, his VLO was down towards the um, end of last year. I think it goes way up at the beginning of the year. Then he got injured and he came back and the VLO was down, but he was still dominating. The velo is pretty much in line with where it was last year, you know, over 95. So I wonder what, what, why his pitches aren't playing up as well. Um, That's a, that's a curiosity to me. I'd have to dive in a little bit deeper and see what's going on because he's been really lucky. Actually, his Mm babbitt's lower than it has been historically. Um, His uh, strand rate is incredibly high. So, you know, that's why his ERA indicators point to him being more of like a four plus ERA guy than the three that he's at so far this year. So, you know, I think the biggest thing for me about Clemenger now, and, and I, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, is the injuries, right? Last year it was the back in the middle of the season out in spring training. He was injured as well. Um, And then he comes back. Right. And it hasn't necessarily been the arm. I think it was the knee in spring training. Now it's the bicep, you know, uh, missing his next start. So I, I'm not really interested next year. I mean, heading into this year, I wasn't uh, anti-Clevenger. I only have one share on all my teams. But I think that's more because of where I was drafting and where he was going at different times during the season than necessarily like steering clear of of, of him. Um, so I'll probably won't be in on him next year just because the injury stuff is a little bit worrisome to me. And like you mentioned, like it's one of those things kind of like we saw this with Kluber where Kluber, Kluber, was really good for a long time. So I, know, I don't want to say he wasn't good, but he had that one season, you know, where he won the Cy Young and he was just absolutely beast mode, like swinging strike rate was three percent higher than it ever was. But he never really regained that type of form. Again, he was really good, but never that like best pitcher in the game form. And I wonder if Clevenger, it was just something where last year was just that the best season we see from him from a skills perspective um you know he's still relatively young but um yeah i don't know but i'll, I'll probably be off just cuz the injuries start to build up a little bit and that kind of freaks me out
0: yeah no it's going to be very tough with him next year like i'm a big fan of his work his repertoire but it's there's something a mess at the moment um your number 5 guy yeah you we got to talk you need to talk about him so who you got
1: yeah i mean this one's kind of easy too uh joe musgrove i mean i've been a joe musgrove believer for 2 years Acquired him in my dynasty league you know um, but Dr- Joe Musgrove it's all about fastball and health like when he is like today when his ha- when his fastball is 93 94 95 you know he's a better he's a very different pitcher than when it's 92 93 91 93 um, he's still got the repertoire he's got it all. we're just waiting. Um, I'm actually really interested to see what happens to him. Um, this off season, I want to say he's got two more years till free agency, something like that. Um, cause he got started pretty young with the Astros. So I just wonder if he'll be shopped around. I'd be interested to see, like, I think the pirates are doing interesting things with their pitching. So it's not a criticism of them, but I'd love to see what some other teams could do, um, with him. And I would love to see him focus on velocity this off season and really building up that, that piece, because when he, when he's, when he's got that fastball, man, he's, he can be very, very good. So again, you know, injuries, diminishing fastball, uh, you know, a lot of the same story, I think for Musgrove um, as to why he failed me once again.
0: Yeah, no, he looked great on Sunday with the fastball up, the slider usage up. So if, yeah, you said it, find someone, maybe Cincinnati, go have him hang out with Trevor Bauer for a little bit. That sounds like a thing that he that could benefit him, but uh, we'll see. There, oh, Bauer's going to be gone next year, maybe. Well, maybe, maybe he resigns. We never know. No, kid, yeah, but you're right. You're right. He could be gone. Um, go let him hang out with Sunny Gray. He loves to throw that slider. Go do that. Yeah. Um, my Same last guy, Tyler
1: Molly. I mean, look what they did with Tyler Molly. Tyler go. Molly, I love Tyler Molly.
0: He's, oh. a, he's a he's a special one. It's amazing what happens. A guy that we liked, and they finally start letting him pitch late in the year. Imagine if that would have started all season. Um, My last guy is Walker Buehler. This will not take me very long because it's very well, pretty straightforward to me. Between the injuries and them just ramping them up super slow, which I don't think many of us saw being that slow. That was crazy. And this was more how much I loved him going into the full season than the COVID season. But I still liked him a lot. I really, I don't, I didn't have him anywhere, no ownership at all. But what I'm looking forward to is seeing the value because even if he goes late second round, early third, that's insane value to me for Walker Buehler is. because if you look at the work that he did put in, it's identical or if not better to what he's done in the past, his hard hit rates. His strikeout rate dropped a little bit, but you know, the ERA was great. All the X numbers were great. He was very, very good. A heavy fastball guy, which is kind of scary at times. If he's off, that could be nasty. But Just the overall like workload, he, like, he was a little less in the zone, so that was, that was a kind of concerning. They weren't chasing the ball as much, but this guy was battling injuries the whole year, super young, Velocities were still relatively good. Spin rates were still good. This what they call "quote unquote" stuff was still very good. That um, I'm gonna notch this up just a mess of a season, and I missed on him this year because I was super high on him. But I'm gonna be right back on him next year, and hopefully, you know, he might be an SP two for you if you drafted or an SP one. Say you drafted early round one, you might be able to snag him as your SP one at the back end of round two. And to me, that's a gift. So Walker Buehler, I missed on this year. I'll be back with you next year.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's, he's a story of before and after yep. the COVID break. Cause before I was all over him, he was one of my most owned pitchers. Afterwards, I didn't really want to touch him because, because they kind of acknowledged he was going to ramp up slowly. And, but you know, yeah, you look at the numbers, like uh, you think of it and you're like, ah, he's got had a God awful season, but yeah. you know, <laughs> three eight six ERA 36 Ks and th- 32 and, and two thirds. The Babbitt's really low. The Strand rate's also really low, though, too. K-minus walk rate's at about 20%. I mean, if we were playing a full season, I think by the end of the year, you'd pretty much see the same guy that you saw last year. So I'm hopeful with a long season that Bueller can be a a stud. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is just, you know, the slowness of his starts is, like, becoming a thing. And it's also just a question to me of preparation, of, like, he wasn't prepared to pitch. Like, why wasn't he prepared to pitch? And again, it could be that him and the Dodgers had a conversation there, like, just look, we want you to be ready for the playoffs. You know, let's let's take it easy. Um, but if it's like an actual preparation thing, like he just wasn't doing what he needed to do while they were out, like that's kind of
0: a little bit of a of a yellow flag to me. So we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm curious to see where it goes. At least the the bright side is, is we should have somewhat of a spring training this year, which will definitely give us an idea of what's going on with Walker Bueller. So that'll be something positive to, to look at, because all I know is we don't know where COVID is going to be in the spring, but they've released spring training schedules, and they've at least figured out by now how to kind of take care of these players. So I'm hoping some way we'll get something for the spring. I'm kind of more optimistic, let's put it that way, than I was, like, say, five or six months ago. Like, they're figuring yeah. out ways to make – the NFL working without a hitch right now. So if that can work, it, it it comes down to the players being disciplined. That's all it is. If you're disciplined, it'll work. Um, totally. All yeah, right. it'll, it'll
1: be really interesting. I wonder if they – you know, they could even do, like, a bubble for spring training or something like that,
0: you know? Yeah, You could do, right. you could do your teams in a bubble, and then, you know, as long as everyone's testing positive, okay – Today, these 20 hop on a bus, you can drive over here and play a game like they're doing right now. Then you come straight back to the bubble. Like there's no hotel rooms involved unless it's in your bubble, stuff like that. Yeah. It's very, very doable if they do it right. So I'm curious to see how it takes place. All right, a couple of listener questions here to get us going. And again, if you guys want stuff all off season, keep throwing listener questions out. Otherwise, we'll keep talking about guys who got right and wrong and find things out about players, which we're going to do anyways. So, you know, it'll happen one way or another. But uh, if you want us to, you know, gear it towards your questions, fire him away but our buddy Dave Petruziello asks was Cattell Marte hurt before he stopped playing was that the problem he, he loved him this year and that didn't go too well he, he heard us talking about Max still possibly first round on his last pot okay first off let's talk to Cattell Marte I don't know what to do with them like I wasn't as high on him as people were because just the jump in the contact the hard hit all that stuff was just insanity but I also didn't think I'd see this this year do you have anything on Cattell Marte
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, the numbers look relatively good. I mean, the one thing that I'll say is the ground ball rate is back up a little bit. And what I think is interesting about that is this was actually something that because his contact rate is way up, you know, from what it was. Um, What I think is interesting is, you know, uh, Derek Cardi talks a lot about this, I think, and and other folks that stat that, um, just because a guy shows a skill for a particular for a full season, doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that that's his true talent level. So yes, his ground ball rate dropped by like 9% last year, which helped fuel that home run surge. But at the same time, like maybe that's not necessarily where that, that true talent level ground ball is. There was some regression there as well that happened this year. So that could have impacted it too. Um, yeah, I mean, he just, the barrel rate's down, exit velocity's down. I mean, it could be an injury. I don't, I'm not aware of any particular injury, but, um, you know, um, so he might be a good buy low because I think I, I like guys like him that have that stable contact profile, you know, just make a lot of contact. I mean, this season just went sideways for the D backs. I mean, Big think about it, I think a lot of people, myself included, had really high hopes. Not high hopes, yeah. but like, not that I like sit there being like, hope the v do really well, but like, I thought they had constructed a pretty good team, pretty good rotation. Um, and it kind of just never got going for him. So maybe that's part of it. Um, I don't know, but, um, yeah, a real bummer for the season for sure. Um, but again, I like that contact profile. So if he dips a little bit in drafts, I wouldn't mind taking another stab back at him. Cause he's still a young guy. Um, you know, I think five category guy. So
0: Yep. I'm hundred percent with you. I want to see where he goes or starts to go in drafts. Cause I think there's still something to like there for sure. He also mentioned, uh, we talked about Mad Max last week, Scherzer. Um, and he we talked about Max possibly being in the first round last week on the pod. He says no, because he thinks he's on the back end of his career. I think we were more stuck on it being DeGrom, Cole, and Scherzer in the first round with sure. Scher- I mean, DeGrom, Cole, and Bieber in the first round. I think we mentioned Scherzer in the second round. it, he could have snuck into the back of the first, but I think I'm more stuck on second. Um, You got anything else on that? He just kind of commented on how he doesn't believe he'll be in the first round.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I think the first is probably a stretch from at this point, the big concern for him is, you know, this year was the whip and his whip is 1.4. I think there's a couple things happening there. Uh, Number one, um, you know, the walk rate is up which I think just from watching his starts, his O swing is down 3%. I think he's had a harder time finishing guys off. Like he can't get guys to chase on pitches outside the zone. I don't know whether that's just because they're not close enough to the zone. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is and why that's happening. I think the velocity has been pretty stable. Um, The swinging strike rate is still 15%. uh, K-walk minus rate is still 25%. His Babbitt's 375, though. You know, so like, there's something that'll probably change, you know, over the course of a season may even out a little bit. So yeah, is, is he, is there reason to maybe be concerned? Possibly, but you know, like today he was, you know, five and two thirds, five hits, two runs, none of them earned six K's again, not outstanding, but a very solid performance. He had, he's thrown the innings this year. So everything's kind of there. Um, And again, remember last year he started off in the very, very much the same way. And then he just went nuts for like a couple months before getting injured where he was just, you know, lights out. And we just don't have the opportunity to see that. So it's just a matter of whether you think, you know, he's going to continue to get hit this hard, which I think is hard to believe that he's going to continue to have a, you know, 375 um, BABIP against. Um, And then, you know, his, I wonder what his home run per, per, per fly ball is. He's
0: given
1: up uh, quite a few. Yeah, 14%. So, you know, higher than it was even last year too. And I would love – I'm going to take a look at his splits because one thing that I've noticed about his outings is they generally start out pretty good, and then he gets left in there until he's yeah. at pitch 120. And again he this gets weekend. absolutely
0: destroyed. Yeah, um, happening too often.
1: Yeah. So let's see what his third time through the order stuff is um third time through the order his woba against his 393
0: that's not nice.
1: 780 era 13 earned runs in 15 innings right so at a certain point and i think this is what's tough with these aces and you saw it again today he was at 97 pitches they don't have anybody in the bullpen And he pitches until he's at 118 and he's, he's struggling, although it was really the Nats infield that blew it. But, you know, it's maybe one of these things where they got to put a little bit more of a leash on him than they have in the past when he just kind of did whatever the hell he wanted. Um, But through the first two, two rounds through the order, he's been brilliant. So um, again, you know, probably not a first rounder I would say like I'd probably have Darvish I'd have Darvish ahead of him, obviously. But I think he might be a really good value next year just as, like, you know, for me, like a second ace,
0: you know, after I've drafted DeGrom, you know. <laughs> He'd be a good SP 2 that's for yeah. sure. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, at SMMS79 asks us, how concerned are you with the Astros players next season based on 2020? Any interest on Alvarez if he falls when or when would he entice you? So, the like, we talked about the Cubs being struggling. The Astros are struggling quite a bit as well. Uh, injuries for some others have just struggled uh have actually almost all been on the aisle at one all the big boys at one point in time um do you have any concerns with them going into next year not really but they're going to be a very different team next year um,
1: yes. springer's a free agent brantley's a free agent you know so it's going to be a very different looking team next year so but no not not really i mean i i think you you need to treat hitters you need to treat players as individuals you know like you know i think that the astros get lumped together because of the cheating scandal and everybody's worried that they're not good hitters because they were cheating for so long and you know you know maybe there's some little bit of truth to that but they were you know they were great on the road too um you know and so i just think you need to look at each individual and figure out what's going on like bregman just hasn't gotten going this year he's a great baseball player he's been injured You know, um, Altuve's been on the I.L. Like you mentioned, everybody's been on the I.L. So they just haven't really gotten started yet. Um, But you never know. Um, You never know what will happen.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to be too concerned with them. I was low on Bregman to begin with. I got criticized. I had him ranked as like the eighth or ninth third baseman this year. and People thought I was crazy. I just don't believe the power is as high as we saw last year. I think he's still very good, but not that high. So we'll see how next season plays out. Uh, Sims, other question other pods are hinting at high bats in the draft instead of pitching and that uh, maybe pitching at the back end around one, kind of like we talked about last week. I'm pretty sure I know your answer to this, but he basically wants to know, do pocket aces still exist? People.
1: (laughs) People. No. It's a great question. Um, I think that starting pitching is getting more and more valuable. Like, if you play in rotisserie leagues, and again, I'm very NFBC-centric, and so there's a particular format that, that goes in with the overall and stuff like that. But starting pitching is it. It is it. You can cobble together hitters to make a good team. Starting, you cannot, you can, but you cannot cobble together starters in the exact same way. I feel like my my the least favorite thing I have in the world is... Um, chasing stolen bases and chasing starting pitching because it's a total crapshoot most of the time, right? If you think about the strategy of starting pitching generally, it's like, you know, and again, in in shallower leagues, this works better. But it's like you have your core and then you stream guys in. Well, guess what? Those stream guys suck, right? And yes, some of us are very good at identifying who they are. I am not one of those people necessarily. Yes, I can do it sometimes, but I had teams that were doing really, really well, and then I put in guys who were doing really, really well, who don't have the pedigree, and they sucked. And can that happen? Yeah, it can happen, right? It happens all the time. Like, there's a certain element of luck to it. But starting pitching, having starting pitching anchors is absolutely, it's not essential because people can win a variety of different ways, right? Right. But if you want to be consistently competitive in your leagues, draft starting pitchers who have a track record of success, who have a track record of doing well, because if you draft multiple ones early on, one of them can suck, all right? One of them can suck, one of them can get injured, and you're still okay. And I know that's a terrible strategy to have. It's the worst strategy in the world, but this year I've seen it come into fruition in so many different ones in my leagues. I had one league where I drafted DeGrom and I drafted Strasburg. I got four innings out of Strasburg. DeGrom is still an ace. He's still dope, right? If I had waited to the second round to get Strasburg and then coupled him with somebody else, guess what? You know, maybe if I, had, you know, hit the jackpot and Danilson Lamed or somebody else like that, right? You can do it. But for me, I'm always going to go with those starting pitches early. Not always because there's a certain point where they become not as good, but that to me is how you build a foundation for success and competing and giving yourself the opportunity to compete and grind out those victories. And for me, I think that's critical. So, And now more than ever, because I think there's like this huge gap. There's like maybe more aces now than, than than there were at the start of the season that we feel like, because there's been some guys who've taken that step up, but I feel like there's this huge gulf now between them and all these guys who we thought were pretty decent, who guess what? They, they're, they they were not pretty decent, right? They were God awful, right? Looking at you, Matthew Boyd, who I actually liked heading into the season too, right? So it's just like, you know, I just think it's so absolutely essential to have, starting pitching as a core to your team um, because it, because it makes it so that you're competitive and you have that opportunity to use your skills to, to hopefully win. Anyways, that was my long, my long
0: rant. Hey, you're the pocket ace king. So this is how this goes. I've
1: joked around on this podcast too. If you listen to it, I'm going to do full the full house strategy next year. I'm going to get three aces, and then I'm going to get two SP twos. My best team this year is one that was three out of four were, were aces. Three out of four were aces. One of them's Max Scherzer, the other one's Chris Paddock, and the other one's just happens to be Shane Bieber. But it's like, ah, it's wonderful having those three guys that every single time, every single time I look at my lineup, I'm just like hallelujah i got three guys they don't even have to worry about i'm looking for three starting pitchers to fill in my rotation three that's all i need right three or four depending on how many closers i have at a given time and don't pay up for closers people anyways do not
0: closers, yes um but the last question we have at joe g regular listener of the show and tweeter to both of us and many others quick quick rapid fire this week does he drop hobby bias for garrett cooper Oh, God. I I'm going to say probably not. Yes, Just because
1: you, they got the Pirates for four. Uh, they got the Pirates for four, and then they have the White Sox who are you know will, probably won't start Giolito, I think. I think Giolito will start on Thursday or Wednesday. So you know, you're know you skipping Giolito. I think Keichel goes on Thursday. So you're probably going to get like Ronaldo Lopez and a couple other guys. You know, so I just think, and then I think it also depends on what you need, right? I think if I was, you know, if, I mean, I, I, I find it hard to see a situation where I would start Cooper over Baez, but you know, maybe if you just needed like RBI or something like that, I don't, I don't know, but even yeah. that probably not.
0: It's tricky. I have Cooper in a lot of leagues. Not sure it'd be for hobby us put it that way. But uh, big fan of him and big fan of the final week of the season and seeing where things end up. Look forward to checking in. Next week and seeing how many championships Toby won, how much millions of dollars he won, uh, throughout the main events. No, don't
1: say that, Bubba. Don't say that. Don't say
0: that. I'm optimistic for you. I'm rooting for you.
1: No, no. Okay,
0: well, what are your final thoughts before you wrap things up? It can all
1: just it can all fall apart so quickly, Bubba. It can all fall apart so quickly. Um, final thoughts for the season. Just best of luck for everybody. I mean, this has been a wild ride the last however many months. I mean, everybody who's listened to the podcast, me and Bubba started with our position previews, like what, December, something like that. Like it's been a really long and, and um, ups and downs, you know, for the season, but we had a season and incredibly thankful for that incredibly thankful for the players who are the ones who are putting it out there, you know, to play this season. It's been a lot of, it's been a very fun season just with, the pod, I mean, the Padres about themselves. I don't know if you watched the game today, but they clinched a playoff spot. And you tell me it doesn't matter to them, right? There, they were jacked up. They were jacked up, you know. And then Don Orsillo was jacked up, like he was treating every opportunity like, you know. Listen to those broadcasts, man. San Diego's got it, but it's a really fun awesome. season. And thanks for sticking with us. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for following. I I do want to like give a little bit of an apology just because the season has been so crazy. I have not been able to put out content outside of the podcast as frequently as I generally do. Um, It's just been, it's been, it's been too much, honestly. And so I apologize for that. Um, You know, not too much. Like there are people who do it in the industry and God love them, um, yourself included, but um, I just couldn't. And, and I apologize for doing that. But hopefully in the off season, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep coming to you. Hopefully I'll be able to do that And the next season when it's a little longer, things are spaced out a little bit more, a little bit more opportunity to do that. So um, thanks to everybody for listening and um, my long winded rants. I, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been great. And thank you, Bubba. It's been a really fun season. Best Holy of luck shit. to everybody
0: this last week. It's been a great season. And like you said, it, we got baseball, which is great. And uh, as crazy as it was, it was great to have coming home, turning it on, getting relaxed, kind of forget about things for a little while. It's been awesome. Been a great season. And the playoffs are going to be very fun with 16 teams involved. I know we still have a, a week of regular season. I think this playoffs are going to get fun. going to be very, very fun. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm not sure. We're going to find out how much we love it going forward because it kind of already said it might be the, the, the way it's going to be from now on, which is kind of weird. But hey, yeah. let's see what happens. See what happens, you know. Yeah, the, my big issue with that, with the with the expanded
1: playoffs, it's not the comp. It's it's just that it disincentivizes putting together a very competitive team, right? I agree. Where I agree. where you know all you have to do is win a best out of. Is it a best out of three to start? Or I, five? Thought was, I thought it was. it was still
0: five. I think it was yeah. still five.
1: Yeah. When when all it comes down to is a best of five, I just think that that is. You know, and so then, it, you know, you have teams that are absolutely me- mediocre who make it. And then, you then you know, yeah.
0: So, anyways. Well, the, the fun thing for this, though, is there's not going to be any off days, it sounds like. So, you yeah. got to have more than three starters, unlike old it's, days. That is days. an interesting wrinkle, right? So that makes you still have a pretty full team or you're going to be in trouble. For, you're going to be exposed at one point in time. So, it, that'll
1: be interesting. It's,
0: it's going to be fascinating. A team like the Yankees, right, who really have one guy. You know, yeah. and it's they like power their way through it all type thing. Can they do it? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's fun. hope those bats are warm. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, we'll wrap it up because, like, obviously you can tell, we can just keep talking about whatever right about yeah. now. But um, check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm at BDN Uh We'll be back with you guys next week, hopefully, talking about some good stuff, some bad stuff, all the good stuff, hopefully. But uh, we'll be back next week. Everybody have a good time. Good luck this week, and we'll catch you guys later.